Hey there, Sean. Hey, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. All right. That means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it. Let's start. We took a vow in summertime. Now we find ourselves in late December. I believe that New Year's Eve will be the perfect time for their great surrender. But they don't remember. All right. Well, we, we promised last week that we would be back again after Game of Thrones ended. We're all still here. Uh, we've spent varying amounts of time uh, taking in the online reaction to the finale of a show that's been part of uh, people's lives for, you know, really kind of two summers in in my case uh mm-hmm. but like you know eight years for some people uh and if i'm being honest a lot of the reaction seems to have been that was fucking disappointing max you have a point <clears throat> of clarification oh, i just wanted to shout out one of my roommates um who started the series i want to say he started the series after episode one of season eight and he watched the finale with us yesterday evening he fully <laughs> caught up that's so props un- props that's to you unhealthy. tony it was very impressive it might have oh. been unhealthy um and he, and he you know but he did it and i'm and i just wanted to give him that shout out that he deserves <laughs> did well, tony have some vitamin d supplements <laughs> i hope uh, so uh, <laughs> yeah i mean i would say i mean my uh, my whole thing uh with with that is that you know he just pumped through 80, 80 hours of of television there at least or, or maybe not at least but at, at least in that he might have looked up stuff or or whatever else and what we're dealing with you know right now Sean that you mentioned is people go through eighty hours of of this mostly spectacular but it's the last you know eight you know maybe even five three hours of stuff that people have lost their minds about yeah. which seems like an un you know, an unnecessary amount of weight for what was otherwise pretty spectacular. Well, look, you're you're not wrong. Uh, it, it does it does seem short sighted if you if you've watched Game of Thrones for so long and you really love the show. It it does seem a little bit like a waste of time to spend a whole bunch of energy bitching about the last three episodes of the show. Mm-hmm. I, but for better or worse, you know, I, to use the societal we, we we care a lot about endings. Yeah, and I'm hoping that we can talk about that this week because it's not just in it's not just in TV. It's really everything. And I think back to that chart that we learn in, I guess, school at some point where it talks about the points of a story where it's. I don't remember. I just know it starts with exposition, and that's about all they recall from it. And I know <laughs> that there's there's probably resolution at the end, but there's there's not like a you know dollar signs underneath each of those where it's like okay, you know that this one is is worth more than than others. But well, I think there well, there pretty much is. I think the word you were looking for is denouement. Uh, uh, nope, that's not the word I was looking for because really? I'm American. I'm an American, and Fair we enough. speak 
the language of our forefathers. Well, the the dollar signs are under the climax. John Denver. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why? Why are we doing this? I I, I mean I. Why I, aren't you I the way that... that you are? <laughs> no, um, but, that begins with the denouement. But I, I so I would disagree that there's not effectively a chart with the dollar signs under them. Clearly, you know that that story arc looks a bit like a bell curve, and the dollar signs are behind the climax. That's where everything you know comes to a head. That's where you get the. I hate to use a uh, circular definition, but where you get the climactic moment of the show or the movie or the book or whatever it is. Um, and now, you know, so for maybe let's start off first with, do we think this is something that's worse in the 2010s? Because one of the things that I think of is, you know, in terms of pop culture and entertainment, you know, n- everything basically has to live forever now. Everything has to be a perpetually, yeah. uh, you know, a, a constantly spinning perpetual content motion machine. And there, there's not an Avengers movie. There's the Marvel Cinematic Universe that has to span, tw- you know, 20 to 120 different movies over the course of our lifetimes and our children's lifetimes and our children's children's lifetimes. So to a certain extent, the purpose of an ending has changed. It's maybe less to wrap up this story as it is to tee up the next installment of the story. So like, has that eroded our ability to, you know, tie the bow on things? I... I think you you make a good point. Has it gotten worse? And I think that in some ways, the way I would frame it is some of the shows that are most celebrated um, are actually shows that don't really have endings. I would say Atlanta, one of our favorite shows, has a plot, sort of, but it's not what is most important. Right. And also something like, I, I don't know if you all have really watched a bunch, but a show like Black Mirror, which I know is a really big deal, that doesn't have, you know, uh, <clears throat> it doesn't have, it's an anthology series, but really episode by episode, t- to the best of my knowledge. So I think that maybe there's a response to that. But I would, I would also say, has it gotten worse now? Another way to look at it is, you know, Max... I, what is the ending of Return of the Jedi? I don't really recall. And I feel like I should. Besides fuzzy creatures that, that appear and so you'll have tremendous criticisms about um, that are probably also offensive, but that's not really... When you go back and think of Star Wars, at least the original trilogy, um, do you think of the ending of the third movie? Um... No, I don't think that's where your mind like jumps right to, but I think it I think it's important for sure. Um I mean, yeah. I, you I I mean, I know that I think of the destruction of the second death star and you know, uh the sort of climactic moment where uh you know, Luke Skywalker really finally meets 
his father for the first time as he's on his deathbed. I like I think, you know, I guess it's maybe not the first thing I think of when I think of like the Star Wars trilogy, but I mean it is one of the things that comes to mind. Another so another thought that I I just had as I was kind of piecing through the are we getting worse at endings. Part of that is also I I wonder, you know, as more and more uh, the the mode, the particular mode of entertainment through which prestige content of some sort is delivered to the masses has changed several times. Uh, it obviously was books and theater for a long time, but then it became the movies. And now, you know, if you think about what are some of the most recognizable cultural works of our lifetime i think it's a pretty solid argument to be made that at least since we were in you know middle and high school the majority of those things the things that we think of as true prestige entertainment are tv shows and i wonder if there's maybe something that is inherently more difficult about tv shows to end well, and I'm not even sure that it is <clears throat> TV shows generally as something uh, more specific than that because I, I by the numbers, um, some of the most popular TV shows of this era um, uh, amongst people our age are Parks and Rec, 30 Rock, and The Office. And people rewatch those constantly and quote from them and put them in their profiles as I'm like this person or that person per this listicle or whatever. And those are kind of the cultural touch points. And I don't know how those shows ended. And I don't know that the people watching them care very much. Some of the most in the office, I think, you know, like the most notable romance in it is like in season one or two or, or whatever um, with Jim and Pam, I guess. Like that is that is the defining romance of the show. I feel like yeah, but that that suffuses the entire run, and mm. I would very much disagree that the people who are watching those things didn't care how they ended. There I was, guess I just there think was of the... much there was much furor about how you know how much people felt like the office fell off in seasons eight and nine after mm. Steve Carell oh. left. Well, and I am just remembering that as you say it. So I think that kind of speaks to the fact that people continue to watch it in spite of, you know, not even in spite of, because they enjoy the show, which goes Mm -hmm. to my earlier point of you watch 80 hours or in the case of The Office, probably something like, you know, 1,247 hours. It's, It's like there's, it's the repetition it's the way the show is it's the enjoyment of those that you know you can deal with the last 20 hours not being so great because the rest of it is so 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 strong um and i would say and we haven't really touched on this yet but uh, i think back to books because those are the things that i've probably dealt with the most endings of Mm -hmm. um and really thought about and you know i would ask you both of you really is you know what is your favorite book and, you know, how much of that had to really do with the ending of it? I feel like for me, um, you know, I think of some of the books that I've read in the last couple of years. I've read a couple um, 
Murakami books and the endings do tie everything really well together in those and they're important but for a book and this might go to your point Sean of how things have changed uh, the the whole experience is is what does it for me and it can be something as simple as a passage or a character but the ending only has so much value well okay so I, I think of you know I think of Harry Potter in part because I recently reread kind of the end of the Harry Potter series. You know, the la- I read the last two books. Uh, and it is an incredible story from the beginning to the end. Across seven books, you know, each one, uh, each one is a really well-told story within itself. And each one is a really well-told piece of the larger story. Uh, but there is still to this day, there is, uh, you know, there's a, a, a set of people that are, are very upset that the last book, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows ends not with the resolution of the long conflict of the story, but with an epilogue that pushes you 20 years into the future, uh, you know, some would say unnecessarily. So I, I still, I do think that even in books, I think this is something that, that matters. If you, if you tell a story, you want the story to be told well, and you want it to be told well the whole time. Now I, your, your point is well taken that the, the end not, living up to the rest of the story doesn't have to be something that you know detracts or or ruins the rest and and how good a story it was you know i I never once thought that the epilogue of harry potter and the deathly hallows invalidated the you know 6.95 books that came before it but you know there there certainly was a feeling of man, you had a really great place. You had told the story, you know, or at least it certainly felt to us from the outside like you had told the story that you were trying to tell. And I don't know what, you know, I don't know what this adds to the mix. Hmm. Max, what about you? Well. Our resident speed reader. Yeah, favorite book is tough. I I really like the um, Song of Ice and Fire series, but I'm not going to talk about the ending (laughs) of those. Um, There's not going to be one. We'll see. Um, yeah, I mean, without without using a specific example, I think I, I don't know that the Harry the ending of Harry Potter really bothered me. I think for me, it's it still feels more like a um, maybe like a group a group mentality of being up being wanting to be upset at something. But <laughs> I, I I think the ending for Harry Potter is maybe different because they ended the existing story and then gave you kind of additional information. Well, yeah, I, and I, I neglected to include the stuff that's come since then. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you hit on something. Should we just blame this all on, on social media and, you know, uh, on the, the phenomenon of online people? You know, I mean, and, and, I... And, and look, in, in, a, in, a less, in a less snide way to put it you know is this 
a factor of, you know, our our incredible online connect, you know, connectivity, uh, and and access to information and to other people is that is that putting a larger premium for people on not just taking in, you know, something that is good, but then being able to kind of analyze it and rehash it and discuss it with people. And are, are we just kind of, you know, flailing ourselves into this, into thinking things are not ending poorly when really we're, you know, we're happy with them until we happen to encounter some, uh, some people who were not happy with it. Yeah, so I would say this makes me think of something that Sean will be familiar with, and I will transition a little bit to to nonfiction because I think it applies Ooh. too. Um, <clears throat> in covering, you know, UVA basketball games, which we once did, um, I, I, I remember us coming to this point where it's like we're at these games, and you have to realize that this was in 2012 ish, so a very mm-hmm. long time ago, and it's like we're at these games. And we are not one of these these big media types, so we're gonna and we're we are all students in school. So it's gonna take us a little bit to put these stories up, so we have to be thoughtful in 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 how we respond to things. We can't just give a game update. So you can be more thoughtful and take some time, or you can do what everyone else does. And we started live tweeting the basketball games to to much glee and many fights on the internet, and it was so <laughs> much more fun because you're part of this community that does it. And I think that if there's if there's a problem, well, problem might be the wrong word, but if there is a phenomenon that is going on, it's the the it's the be first, even if you're not right thing. You know, be first, not right, and you want to have a reaction that I mean, you end up you end up selling yourself, which is my reaction is the one that becomes a meme, or my reaction is the one that gets shared the most. There's a reason that some of these social media companies are looking into taking away showing how many likes or or hearts or stars or horseshoes, clovers and blue moons you get on whatever you've posted, um, because uh, you know if you, or you might see it, but others won't because. You know there is a detrimental effect to knowing how how widely something has been shared. That that does get dangerous, and and so I, I think that you know if shows and everything are supposed to create this sense, or sporting events, or uh, whatever it is, if they're supposed to create this community, then they're really doing their job, and they're doing them instantaneously now, and that's you know a laudable in a lot of regards, but. If you are an artist and you are trying to express something and you want people to think about it and not be instantaneous, something that, you know, a book, the type of investment you have with a book, it's really hard to hot take a book immediately when you're done. Um, And I would point to, again, with the nonfiction, I would point to, uh, so, uh, and I forget her name, Sean, you'll remember, but the the woman who wrote about the Golden State Killer and pretty much un- unearthed who it was. Yep. So that is an example of a nonfiction that does have an ending. And then you have something like the Zodiac Killer, which doesn't have an ending. And sometimes I wonder if, you know, there's something there about what is the better ending. Is it the one where you have justice or resolution? Or especially in this wave of, I don't know, things like true crime now, which makes me think a lot about what's a good ending, is the one of mystery the better ending? Well, that and so that goes to, you know, that I think that plays into what I was talking about earlier with kind of changing modes of entertainment and, and what's important, you know, in the 
in the golden age of cinema and, and filmmaking, there was a very high premium on, you know, a nice, tidy, wrapped up ending that, you know, that concluded the story in a way that made people happy. You you had, you know, somebody got the girl or, or somebody, you know, uh, George Bailey saved, you know, saved the town and and discovered the meaning of life, essentially. Uh, but spoiler alert, I haven't seen that movie. Yep. I think that I think that spoiler alert on a movie from the 1930s is not valid. Um, but, you know, in the 2000s and, and extending now into the 2010s, you know, we've had this wave of shows with antiheroes, you know, and, and and there are we're in the position of following the stories of and, and even rooting for characters with very ambiguous morals. And so I think to a certain extent, you know, that has made the ambiguous endings, you know, uh, like the way the Sopranos ended, uh, or the way the wire ended where there really was no resolution. Everything kind of cycles back on itself again and again. Uh, and, and so, so endings that don't really kind of make a ruling and come down on one side or another maybe are better because they allow us to keep kind of marinating in, you know, Tony Soprano without having to really render a final value judgment on whether or not Tony Soprano is a good guy. Yeah. I mean, Max, spoiler alert, he's not, but yeah, still. Max, um, that, that makes me think, especially with those, those endings that Sean, uh, you know, was talking about that kind of go fall, fall upon themselves, um, which really seems like life in a lot of ways. How many Coen brothers movies have you seen? Ooh, um, I, I, I know that four or five. Yeah, I know that I've seen a lot, and there is very much a Coen Brothers movie is a Coen Brothers movie because usually because of the way it ends. And oh no, I took some notes about like, is it justice? Is it finality? Is it is it happiness that are good for for endings? And maybe maybe what I'm realizing is the best type of endings is just make a Coen Brothers movie because because it rips you. I mean, I think of have you seen Inside Lewin Davis? No. Nope. Okay. Well, that one is particularly um, uh, symmetrical in a lot of ways, um, and and I highly recommend the movie. But they're they're usually devastating because because you look up for the movie and you realize, wow, this t- tomorrow is just gonna is gonna be just like today. Um, if at least for the ones that sit with me the most, and thinking back to that, that's that's how it works. And I mean, is is that type of that type of ending? Uh, do, do you think that resonates in in maybe a, a more human way? It could, cer- certainly. I mean, I guess I don't... Do you feel like all their movies end the same way or in just more of a, a kind of shocking way? Um, I think in the sense that they end at the beginning or are in a situation where this could... Or a lot of them, it could this whole day could go on again and it just repeats itself. Um, uh, Inside Lewin Davis does that. Uh, the one, 
I'll, I have to look it up. The one with uh, oh Barton Fink does that really well. Um, those are two that I, I think sit with me the most, in part because they're. I mean, they're all very comedic, but there's there's a great drama aspect in them of like, oh, this this is really dark and I feel awful. And maybe that speaks to me as someone who chooses not to watch comedy and doesn't <laughs> want that happiness. Um, but there's also no there's also no justice. Um, and there's there's not a finality, which really feels I mean, to me, feels human because you know, who am I to expect happiness and justice in my life in, in some regards, which, wow, that was yeah, so, you're, you're sorry a about no, that there. noble martyr for the cause. I, I don't think I am. I think I'm just saying, which is that <laughs> in you know it's stories and books, and maybe this is what's unfair, especially especially if we assume that a lot of art is is an artist, and you could argue that it's uh, self serving, but expressing their struggle and their struggle is something that you know if this is the end of expressing their struggle, they are expressing something that's human and. How often in your daily life do you deal with, you know, justice? I'll put happiness aside. But if you feel like you've been wronged, a lot of times if you feel that way, it's never going to be righted. Um, and I, I think that to expect um, to expect artists to put something together that has finality and 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 justice is like, well, if they're if they're uh, expressing things from their own lives, where are they going to find that as inspiration? And. Talking about finality and justice, I, I have to mention, because we talked a little bit about social media, that I don't know that this is a new phenomenon of being disappointed in a, in a finale and speaking a lot about it, because 21 years ago this week, there was a very popular show that ended with a very um, publicly disappointing finale. Um... I don't know if either of you know what show I'm talking about. Uh, oh, oh, was it, oh, I was was it Seinfeld? Because I was going right. to bring this up. Yeah, that's right. But, with- but Seinfeld, Max, was that a show with a plot? Mm, no. So what does an ending matter? Well, the ending did matter because it it the ending actually, you know, led to something, sort of. I mean, they tried to kind of write the ending, and, and people were very disappointed. <sighs> yeah. So in, in some ways, you if you have a form, you shouldn't divert from that form, which I feel like is, is what they, they did. They also got very racist at the end. If I recall correctly, um, or was that the second to last episode? Uh, we'll we'll talk about that later. I I know that it it happened and that got a lot of feedback too, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's more like a show like Atlanta than anything else, which is the ending for the show very well might not matter, but it might be the bottle episode of of him dealing with his demons and running through the forest. Right, um, that's what's going to stick with you. You know the the what, what's the the episode where they're waiting for their table to open up and they they leave um, for Seinfeld, Max. That that's what is going to sit with you and you're going to remember. And that's the mm-hmm. point of what they're expressing, I think. So, I mean. Just for me, this this focus on endings in in books and in movies, and I don't even know if it's new, but my my feeling is it's unfortunate because these people, these artists, uh, these actors, these actresses, um, these uh, you know playwrights, they've they've put all this work into the whole product, and we're like, actually, the only thing that matters is not even dessert; it's it's the very last bite, and that's. <laughs> That's fucked. Okay, that's yeah. fucked. I mean, I, I get what you're saying. You know, the uh, there was a I I didn't watch Dexter, but 
there was a, a critic somewhere. It might have been maybe NPR. Um, someone wrote about the you know the final season and the the wrapping up of Dexter that it was so bad that that critic couldn't recommend that people even watch the earlier seasons anymore. I was like, man, that seems like a really harsh reaction, and that has to Mm. feel really shitty if you're the person who created Dexter or if you're Michael C. Hall. Um, Yeah. But, you know, I I also don't think it's unreasonable. I I, I want, you know, I want the people who are – pissed about how game of thrones ended to chill out for six months you know or six years and and give it some time to sit see if george has pages he doesn't uh, mm-hmm. and, and you know maybe go back and and watch some of the show again and, and see how you feel about it with some time behind you at the same time i don't think it's unreasonable to want something that you've invested a lot of time in to end well. And, you know, I, I think of, I think of how I met your mother, which was, you know, a a very plot driven sitcom that, that follows this long looping story arc to, should I, should I ruin how I met your mother? Does anyone care at this point? It ended a while ago. You yeah. know, they spend nine seasons answering the question of how I met your mother. And then in the span of the basically the last half of the last episode, the mother gets sick and dies. And it turns out that the whole thing all along was actually, as we believed in uh, episode one, uh, about... Ted finding his way back to Robin Scherbatsky, who is objectively terrible for him. They are terrible together. Uh, it, the show beats at home every time they are together, which is multiple times because it's a nine-season CBS sitcom. Um, you know, that show ended really badly. And, you know, because getting to the ending was the whole conceit of that show a bad ending really left a sour taste in a lot of people's mouth. And I think I was one of those people. So maybe the answer is stop making things that are so dependent on the ending. Yeah. You know, Yeah. I mean, I think of, uh, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, I think of Friday night lights, Friday night lights is a show that is widely revered for actually having a really good ending. And I sort of vaguely remember when I finished the show, you know, thinking, oh, they've they actually wrapped this up pretty nicely. We went on quite a journey. But the things that I ultimately remember about that show are not the ending. You know, it's it's driven by a lot of characters whose, you know, whose kind of main arcs come in the middle of the show. And uh, I, I guess I guess Max is. Dog neighbor doesn't like Friday Night Lights so much. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> uh, so you know, I, I think that I think there is maybe some work to be done on on both sides of the creator audience equation here. Yeah, 
Well, I would say that sometimes uh, I think there's there's some kind of proverb type thing about time is the great makes things better balm maybe time is the great balm <laughs> and i know that this is true because you mentioned the sopranos a couple times and i saw it written someone had the gall to write this which is funny now that you know the sopranos ending was really great actually which is not a thing people said in the moment at all so maybe we'll look back on this more fondly later on because oh time heals all wounds um did it, not, did it take you? Did it take you several more sentences to get back to time heals yes, all wounds? Yes, yeah, really? it did. It does. But you know what type of wound uh, time doesn't heal? Dragon fire. Whew. Um, all right. If uh, if you have thoughts on endings, come find us on Facebook or Twitter at Pretty Okay Pod and let us know. We will move on now, as we do every week, to Pierce is Sorry. And uh, what are you apologizing for today? So there is a uh, New Yorker article that I have been really trying not to read for for a while here. Um, and I, I go to a lot of concerts uh, as, as, well, people may know from the the yellow tote review review that i did um but there's a there's a new yorker article that i've been refusing to read in light of this going to concerts and it's called is noise pollution the next big public health crisis now noise pollution outside is pretty bad but when you stand a couple feet away from oh i don't know a a big amplifier in a uh in a music hall as i do probably twice a month without earplugs uh that's a self crisis that i have been avoiding so i finally bought on sean's recommendation so well the earplugs were sean's recommendation the thought to do it was mine because i have started feeling not just i can't hear very well the next morning or even the night of the concert it's i feel ill the next day after concerts and it like an earache and i like my whole body just feels bad and i have a headache so this is sort of this this is a self apology because uh you know you need to listen to your body and know it better and wearing earplugs is a really easy way to, to you know treat it better without I'm not going to lose any social stuff because I'm at these concerts alone anyways but uh this is also a bit of a PSA to if you are around loud stuff a lot um it's bad enough in traffic or next to a window when a hot taker dog comes by as max saw but yeah if you're going to concerts you should consider earplugs so i apologize to the only set of ears (laughs) i will ever get um and you should be kind to your own as well that's that was a good self-apology um i I will I, i will say two things one uh you you referenced multiple times that there's a New Yorker article that you have been trying not to read. Mm-hmm. Uh, just don't fucking read it. Uh, and, and second, we should point out uh, that this, in this case, it actually, you know, you seem to be an exception to the rule of if a, an article headline is a question, the answer to the question is always no. <laughs> uh, so uh, congratulations to you for that. Yeah, I'm. I'm probably. I'm probably gonna read it and then be like, I. It doesn't even matter. I. I just am gonna lose my ears soon enough, anyways. Yeah. Um, all right. So we'll close the show as we do with a big idea from pop culture, and uh, 
I've got one this week. We we typically we try to record on the weekends just so that you know we can have maximum flexibility to make sure that stuff works with people's schedules and then we have time to edit the podcast so that we can get it posted in a timely manner for you on Tuesdays. Uh, but we are recording on Monday this week because I spent the weekend uh, with Emily in her hometown of Columbia, South Carolina. And, you know, I, I think it's not a stretch and, and and she even, she would agree that, you know, at first blush, Columbia, South Carolina is maybe not, you know, the place where you go for your dream vacation. Uh, it, it doesn't strike at, at, you know, as the most exciting place to go, but I had a great time, you know, and, and I, we found exciting things to do. I got to eat some pretty good food, you know, uh, I got to, you know, it's, it's always nice to, to see the places and the people that are important to folks that you care about. Uh, and I even managed to find a, a neat record store while I was there. It's called Papa Jazz. And if you're in Columbia, I would recommend you go. Uh, but also, did a little nature exploring. They, uh, Columbia area is home to the Congaree Swamp National Park. And for a very brief window uh, in the kind of late spring, uh, at nighttime, the park plays host to a big old swarm of synchronized fireflies. Hmm. And... It's a, you know, it's a, it's a whole production where you go park, you have to park, uh, you know, almost a mile away and, and walk so that you can get away from all of the light pollution. Uh, but you, you wind up on this sort of trail that they've constructed with kind of waypoints where you can go up and, and see into the forest and, and see these fireflies that are blinking on and off at the same time. And it's just, it was beautiful. It was really, really cool. And, uh, you know, we happened to encounter kind of as we were just getting to the the area where the fireflies were, like somebody was coming out um, and, and was asking the people that they were with, like, was that worth it? And I just my, my off-the-cuff response, which I had the good courtesy to not share publicly because they didn't need to catch these hands was if you have to ask whether a free experience (laughs) with the beauty of the natural world was worth it you don't fucking deserve the beauty of nature (laughs) um i just you know i know that you know i'm i'm from a city spend a lot of time in town you know, but Charlottesville is kind of nestled in the middle of a whole host of cool kind of nature or nature adjacent things to do. And frankly, I've done a crap job of taking advantage of that. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure that Charlottesville is not where I'm going to live forever. And if I don't get my act together when I eventually do leave, I, that's going to be one of the things I really regret. And so I, I'm glad that in this opportunity, you know, I I did not leave myself the chance to uh, to regret not taking part. So, uh, you know, 
if you have the good fortune to care for or love a person who's from somewhere that's not where you're from, go check their place out. You know, you might have a good time and get just get out, get out and explore nature a little bit. It's just it's so much better for you than bitching on Twitter about how Game of Thrones ended. Just use your time better, please. Yeah. This is a place for expressing opinions and and that is certainly one. Though I would <laughs> I would say it's a good one. I would say. I would venture to say. Yeah. Um all right. So, that is the end of the show. You can find us on Facebook or Twitter at Pretty OK Pod or at our home on the web www.prettyokpod.com. We'll have some new writing up this week. We've got some music thoughts from Ian and from Megan. Uh, so keep on the lookout for that at prettyokpod.com. You can subscribe to the feed of our podcast on your device and podcast app of choice. So you get us every Tuesday. If you do that, please do us a favor, leave a rating, review, comment, that sort of thing. Or if you have a friend you think might uh, like what we're doing, tell them about the show. We would love to share it with them as well. We'll be back again, as always, to talk about anything but Game of Thrones. Uh, until then, I'm Sean. I'm Pierce. I'm Max. Thanks for listening. Bye.